Yo, 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 before we get started, let me borrow your ear right quick. Because, well, I guess I'm not borrowing your ear right quick. This is a podcast audio format. It's going to be a minute. Like, even when I'm done with this brief interruption, interjection, whatever you might label it, still a whole podcast after that. So stick around for that. But we digress. We're doing a new thing here at Three Black Men. We are going to conduct a four-week course. It's going to meet on Thursdays starting on September the 15th of 2022. So I hope you're listening to this on time because if you wait too long, like too many weeks or whatever, it's going to be dated. You can jump in afterwards, but a month from there. Anyway, this course is going to talk about the gospel, right? A pretty big part of the Bible. But what is the gospel? What are its political implications, if there are any? How do we handle this gospel? What did it mean in its original context? What does it mean to us today? And we hope to talk about some of these things, explore some of them in community. And it's open to each and every person who is a subscriber to our Patreon community at any level. So if that's not you, you still got time right now to head on over to patreon.com slash three black men and sign up to join that community and you could partake in this course with us. I hope to see each and every one of y'all there. It's going to be a dope time. Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk. Because God speaks my language too. And I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Origin stories are important. Whether we're talking about families or communities or churches or countries or even our favorite fantasy series. There's something very compelling about our origin story. And that's why spent a lot of time and resources investigating how things as we know them came to be. Earlier in this podcast, we did an episode on the creation narratives in Genesis. It's an origin story, depending on who you ask or where you land on the theological spectrum. It might be two origin stories, but it's a fascinating origin story, an origin that Billions of people throughout the ages have found compelling enough to adopt as their own story. People who don't even profess Jesus as Lord and Savior or identify with any particular religion can more or less recount the events of Adam and Eve and the story of creation as told in the Bible. In fact, the very name Genesis means beginnings. The book starts with the words that we translate as in the beginning. We're all curious about what happened in the beginning, how things got started. It's one of the reasons that we do family trees and a lot of churches will document their church history. It's one of the reasons that we have U.S. history courses in our schools. We memorize poems about how the first settlers or invaders, depending on how you learn this history, how they got here and how these things got started stages that we went through before we got to where we are right now. We're all compelled by origin stories. That's why most people can remember those words in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But we already did that translation. So we're not doing that again. What I find fascinating is that when we get to the New Testament, 
the second testament the portion of the christian scriptures that are written in the greek language there's a whole new creation story there i mean it doesn't try to replace the creation narrative that we receive in genesis matter of fact it kind of alludes to it it taps into it and tries to weave us a new story I think there's something beautiful about that theologically and faith-wise that we don't tear down all of the old traditions that sometimes we use those traditions to tell new stories. I'm captivated by this story of creation that we find in one particular gospel. If you look at the gospels of Matthew and Luke, they include genealogies to lead up to Jesus because even they are concerned with origins. Where did Jesus come from? What about Jesus and Jesus' heritage make him worth talking about? Mark is about that action. He doesn't really deal with stuff in the same sort of way. But then there's the Gospel of John. Different, notable in so many different ways. The Gospel of John starts out in a very poetic fashion. And so without dancing around too much more, we're going to hop into some bona fide Bible talk about John chapter 1 first 18 verses let's get into it in the beginning was the truth and the truth was with God and the truth was God it was with God from the jump everything that ever was came into being through it without it not a single thing exists in it was life and the life was the light of all humankind. And the light glowed in the dark. And the darkness couldn't do nothing about it. God sent a man named John. He came to tell folks about the light, hoping that people would trust him. Now, he wasn't the light, but he showed enough came to talk about the light. The real light? The one who light everybody up? Well, that light was just about to show up on the scene. It was already on the scene. We can only see the scene because of it. But ain't nobody on the scene recognize it. It came to its own people. But they ain't rock with it. But whoever rock with it, anyone who believed in it, they got the juice to be children of God. Not by blood. Not through any human desire or labor. But born by God. And the truth came to life. And it set up shop with us. We saw his greatness up close and personal. The greatness of the only son the heavenly father ever birthed. True and real as can be. John vouched for him, saying, This is the one I was talking about. The one who coming after me, but still rank ahead of me, because he was there from the jump. We all lead him from his bank. Hand over fist. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Ain't nobody ever seen God. We only know God through the Son of God because he's close to the heart of God. This passage does one of those things that I appreciate so very much that so many of us here in this western rational world of ours cannot stand it introduces mystery it leans into 
mystery. It invites mystery. It celebrates mystery. It rings faith out of mystery. And I love it. It starts out by saying that this thing, this word, this truth, this eternal reason, this logic was in the beginning with God and that it was God. Is it with God? Is it God? I don't know. There's so much paradox in there, so much to wrap our minds around. It is reimagining what God is for us. It frees God from the cage that we have trapped divinity in. It tears away the arms and the legs and the gender, the private parts, everything that we've imagined God to be. It takes that away and says that God is and with God in the very beginning was this truth, this word, this light. And if you think I'm making this up, at the end of the passage, it even says that nobody has ever seen God. We cannot lay our eyes on God. It's not something that we confirm with our senses. It is only something that we can feel with our faith, with our being, with our essence. The only person who has ever seen God is the son of God. What this reimagining tells us is that this essence, this truth, this reason, this light put on human flesh and that it dwelt among us, that it found community, that it pitched its tent, its dwelling place in our very midst. The passage even points towards and taps on a well-known figure of the time, a man named John the Baptist, and says that John was actually rapping about this guy the whole time, that if we'd only paid attention, we would have seen what John was trying to prepare us for, that John was trying to prepare us for God in our midst, and that God in our midst not only looked like Jesus, that God in our midst was Jesus, that Jesus might have looked like he was just a person, but in reality, Jesus was the very embodiment of all that God is, and that all of the creative energy that exists in the Godhead, in divinity, was contained in the person of Jesus, who is the Christ. So says this passage. And so my question today is, what does it look like? to truly become a disciple of this Jesus? What does it look like to truly become a student of this Jesus, a follower of this Jesus? Because if what Jesus is, is a paradox in and of itself, if we have to graft this man who actually walked the face of this earth back into the creation story and say, no, he was there in the beginning because in reality, he is the embodiment of what always has been. How do you become a disciple, a follower, a student of what is? How do you become a disciple, a follower, a student when the teacher himself is so difficult to trace and so beloved? It seems to me that one of the safest places to be in this situation, that one of the most conducive classrooms in which to be a student, a disciple, a follower is in the school of mystery. Trying to track a Jesus who was there in the beginning is hard to place now, but somehow by faith always present with us. A curious thing about this passage is I never find it written in red in any of my Bibles, which means that there's nobody throughout the history of Christian Bible printing that attributes these words to the mouth of Jesus. In fact, Nowhere throughout any of the gospel accounts do we find this idea as clearly articulated as we do right here. Yes, there are times when Jesus makes statements like before Abraham was, I am, and other words that would seem to allude or suggest a belief in his own preeminence, his own divinity. But 
nowhere else do we see this laid out so succinctly that in the beginning was the word, was the truth, was this divine reason, this logic which holds the world together and that that truth was with God and that the truth was God. This mystery of being with God and being God, being of God, begotten by God, it's difficult to wrap our minds around and a lot of people have spent a lot of ink trying to figure all that stuff out, but what if we don't have to? What if being a disciple, a student, a follower of Jesus is trying to find out where else we can see God embodied? Where do we see Jesus in our midst today? If John the Baptist today just dropped down and started preaching in the wilderness, in the Florida Everglades, to whom or what would he be pointing us? Because at the end of the day, that's where Jesus calls us to. That's where Jesus is beckoning. Sometimes tracking Jesus down means we got to reimagine God. Because yes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But in the beginning, we want nothing but the truth. The truth was with God. The truth was God. It's by this truth that everything came into being. We can't see nothing without the truth. Let me pray with you. Our God and mighty creator, what a mystery you are. We struggle to comprehend how you work, who you are, and how you are. And so we're grateful that you've left us little breadcrumbs along the way. Breadcrumbs that Lead us closer towards you until they bring us right to the feet of Jesus in whom you are known fully. So God, we ask that by the power of your spirit, a peace that transcends all of our understanding might protect our hearts and our minds as we travel through this world, searching for ways to embody and imitate Jesus so that through our actions, people might see you as the truth. And as a loving creator, in Jesus' name, amen. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, black men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar. <laughs>